Welcome back to another episode of In the Zone. My name is Anthony Piniello, along with Chris Martelli and Giancarlo Alino. What is going on, guys? Uh, it's been a busy week for us. Very nerve-wracking, very emotional, because the Raps are in the finals. Quickly want to discuss games one and two with you guys. Um, game one was uh, couldn't have gone any better, right, for the Raps? I think this game was very, very entertaining. I thought that there were a lot of great people in the crowd, very fun atmosphere. You know, uh, when the, when the, when it's the finals, there's more celebrities. And Stephen A. Smith being in the building is always entertaining because he doesn't like coming to Canada because he doesn't like crossing the border. So shout out to Stephen A. for that. But game one, the one thing I want to discuss is Pascal Siakam's performance. He dropped 32, missed three uh, field goals all game, 14 of 17. Kawhi came in here. He was the big X factor for the Raps. He got triple teamed. He still dropped, I think, 23 points, eight rebounds, five assists. He still looked solid. But to me, guys, this game, wow, Steph Curry looked amazing in game one. Clay, not so much. What were your thoughts on game number one? Yeah, it was, everything was going right for the Raptors. Piasco Siakam came up and really showed the league that he's not just the most improved player. He's a player that's going to be in talks of being a potential all-star of the future. He took advantage of this opportunity of everyone double-teaming Kawhi Leonard. He dropped over 30 points, was dominant when he had the ball, and good positive look for the Raptors, especially now when Kyle Lowry is getting fouled out of games. He's up and down in his performance. So having Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard like that is really positive for the team. Obviously, they have to get more depth because everyone's been talking about Kawhi, but the fact that Pascal... <laughs> took over the way he did getting 30 plus it was it was the spicy pea show and that was really a gift from game one yeah uh, a lot of people were saying that guys like Powell and Van Fleet had to continue to shoot lights out but let's be real they're not going to shoot 80 percent from three but this game I thought was a, a very good indication that the Raps bench is just way better than the Warriors they killed them and I think they outscored them like 31 to like seven the bench so we all know that the raps have the better bench i think they're the better depth team because contracts and when you have four or five all-stars it's going to be tough to have a good bench so but yeah uh siakam was great in this game he had all the confidence in the world i thought in the fourth i felt like at times Kawhi wasn't even trying to shoot he's just trying to pass to pascal because he knew he had all the confidence like here just take the shot you have like 30 points you haven't missed an 11 straight so just keep going to the net but the thing that really surprised me was before this game, Draymond Green came out with that interview and he's like, yeah, I'm the best defensive player in the league. Uh, if you if you can't if you can't believe that, then then, you you know, you know, you'll never you see yourself as great. And then he comes out in this game and Siakam absolutely buries him, at least defensively. And then you got to give respect to Draymond. He still had a triple double 10, 10 and 10. It's not the greatest triple-double, but he did the job. He's probably the most efficient warrior on the floor. If it's not him, it's Curry. But, man, this game was all about Siakam, and it was a great win uh, for the Raps game one. But game two, it was a little different. Um, We were up in the first half. We played very well, but as soon as the third quarter came, our offense just went dry. Tell us about that, Alino. Yeah, the offense went dry. The second half started, and Golden State was clearly well prepared for that. Just going on that 20-0 run, 18-0 run. And I think the Raptors, though, a good positive for them. Like, most teams would have probably just given up and taken Kawhi out the game and go with the bench and just get blown out, look for game three. They actually came back, got it close, looked like they were going to take advantage of the game again. And 
just at the end, that one break, uh, Kawhi Leonard almost got the steal off uh, Curry's pass, and then they got it to Iguodala, and we know what happened there. But if, I think the Raptors, them coming back like that, and then what you see what happens after the game with Klay Thompson has his whole leg bandaged up, and Kevin Durant, you don't know if, when he's going to come back, maybe game four or five, and there's a lot of uncertainties about Curry and Cousins playing back-to-back. You don't know what his minutes will be like. So from the Raptors, weathered the storm in game two. They escaped that because they could have easily been a Raptors blowout and go into game three and just take the series again. I'm going with the Raptors still. I'm so positive. <laughs> that game was very frustrating because you look at it as a whole and the Raps won that game. They lost it in about the first five, six minutes of the third. Then even in the fourth quarter, you know, we, we it was toe to toe. It was close in the fourth. Yeah. The Warriors didn't get a point for five minutes, and we shut them down. But you know, they're doubling down on Kawhi, and we're just missing all of our shots. We missed a lot of open looks in and the then, fourth. Like Alino said, we came back in the game, only ended up losing by five. I'm like, oh, this could have been so much different. But now, yeah, you got to move on now, and you got a new task. The thing that was very disappointing for me was when a guy like Clay Thompson comes in this game and he's red hot. I think he had the first 10 points for them. He was just coming out. Um, his mid-range was on fire. His three-point ability, you know, his catch-and-shoot. He's probably the best catch-and-shoot guy in the, in the game besides Steph. But when a guy like that goes gets injured in the third or fourth quarter and you see that their team can't score, you have to make those open shots. We gave Powell a chance. We gave Van Fleet even a couple chances. Finally, Danny Green, he got that key three in the last minute. And, you know, things were looking really close. You know, we were up, we were down two with 40 seconds left. And then we double teamed Curry and Curry got the ball to Igudala and he drained the three and that was it. But yeah, this game easily could have been ours. When I look at disappointing efforts, I kind of, this kind of looks at game, this kind of relates for me like game one with the Bucks, as we had the game one, yeah. and then at the end of the game, we just couldn't finish it. Uh, just imagine going up 2 nothing and Clay Thompson being injured now. Like that would have, I think that would have been the series, but you know, now that Clay is questionable for game three, Kevin Looney's out indefinitely. He got injured in the beginning of this game. He was a big, he's a big part of their team. He's a big that can eat up minutes while guys like Cousins gets better, Bogut, to me is not a solid NBA player and he came in this game and he he dropped eight points in like six minutes because we were so um we were so uh what's what's the word we we wanted to cover the perimeter so much that we just let Bogut wide open so guys like Draymond Green would just feed it to him and he would just get the little simple layup or the dunk but moving forward for game three and four guys what do you think the Raps need to do in order to be successful away at Oracle because as we all know Oracle is coming to an end so I think the fans are going to be really rowdy here um what do you think they have to do to win I think the Raptors should go in with that same mentality they did because game two they start off really well it's just their open looks weren't um, working for them and then they were up for a good portion of the first half so if you can just go in still keep positive weather the storm because Oracle Arena is going to be it's a final, so they're all going to be there and the caught crowd. So I think Kawhi comes in, gets his shots, make sure you pass around, get Kyle Lowry active and make sure he stays out of foul trouble because I think that's what hurt them too. He gets fouled out of games like that. And then you have to, you're put in a position where the depth comes in and you have no one to come back to, you know, have that same impact that Kyle Lowry has in taking charges. So if you can just have him in there, OG and Anobi, I think finally needs to come in. 
he was on the bench last game. I was kind of disappointed he didn't come in here because that guy's an X factor for the Raptors, and a lot of the American media aren't talking about him, and it probably could be a good thing. OG can come in, him and Kawhi double team with Siakam. I think that's a defensive trio you can utilize, especially when Steph Curry's going to be relied on to take most of the shots with Clay out. Now, in, now in terms of injuries, what do you, what are your expectations for Steve Kerr? If you're Steve Kerr, what are you doing in regards to Kevin Durant? Like, let's say, let's say the Raps win Game Three and they're up two one, and they're let's say it. This is seven minutes left in the Game Four in the fourth quarter, and the Raps are up by like eight. Do you put Kevin Durant in, knowing that he's still kind of questionable? If he's active, and he's Okay, he'll probably play if he's active because he'll just want to get in there, his uh, status and legacy and all that. But if you know that he can play at least five minutes, I'd put him in. If not, and you're going to risk damaging him for if you need him for a game six or a game seven where it's going to really count, I would just bench him. KD at like 70% though yeah. is a normal all-star. <laughs> yeah. So why not throw him in there for a few minutes if uh, you need some clutch plays at that point? I think at the end of the day, the, the later this series gets, the closer it gets to ending. I think both coaches need to look at their lineup and say, I need I need you to step up right now. Like for the Raps, there's not a lot of options other than Kawhi, Kyle. Gasol in game one dropped 20 points. I don't know if that's going to happen again with this Warriors defense. But I, if I'm Nick Nurse, I got to look down the bench. If Kawhi is hurting, because he is hurting, he's not 100%. I need to look at guys like Danny Green. I need to look at guys like Kyle Lowry. And I need to look at guys like Spicy P and be like, if Kawhi is banged up the last five minutes of a fourth quarter, we need you guys to not only bring that energy, but you need to make those open shots. And if I'm Steve Kerr, now that you have a bundle of injuries, you have Clay now, you have Kevin Looney, you have Iguodala's limping, Cousins is injured still, KD, like their whole team is an MRI. So... (laughs) If I'm Steve Kerr and, and like you, you know the Raps win Game Three and you know Game Four, you're trailing in the fourth. It's like, okay, like I have to make a make or break decision, and I think that make or break decision might have to bring KD in the game, and especially if OG's healthy. Like if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm looking at the Raps. It's like, well, they basically have their whole team, and I'm playing with guys like Quinn Cook and these other guys. So like I might have to play Kevin Durant, or I might have to sacrifice Boogie for another t- extra ten minutes in a game. So it's going to be interesting Interesting to see what the Warriors do um, going back home for this series because they are banged up pretty bad. Yeah, and Cousins, like, he's not going to be on the team anyways So after this year. So if I'm Steve Curry, yeah, yeah, go play it. Don't worry. Go. It's good for you. <laughs> now, the, the funny thing is, if you're a GM, I, I, this is like, this, isn't, um, this doesn't relate to the finals. This relates just to Boogie Cousins. If you're a GM, are you signing Boogie Cousins long term after this season? No. No. He's right? going to want a max, but I think that he missed his opportunity. He could have stayed with New Orleans, him and Anthony Davis, and he decided to leave. And now Anthony Davis is going to be, like, upset. He's going to get traded. So if I'm Anthony Davis, wherever he goes, and if Boogie Cousins' his name comes up, I'm saying, yeah, we'll pass. I'm good. Yeah. Let I'm him curious. Go so uh, how do you think he'll respond in game three? Because, like, he started off 10 minutes off the bench, and then he got starting minutes last game. Do you think, like, his conditioning will be there or whatnot? Like, how do you think he's going to react to it? I think uh, his role right now with the team is he knows he's an all-star. He knows he's a big part of the team, and 
he's barely played this year. I think he played like 40 games all year. So if I'm DeMarcus Cousins and I'm thinking of my future, I, I'm going to want to try and play the best ball that I possibly can right now because, like we just said, if I'm a GM, I don't really know if I trust you. I don't know if I really want to take a limb taking seven years with you because, believe it or not, there's a lot of great big men coming out of drafts nowadays. Like we talk NHL, there's a lot of young centermen coming there's been a lot of great D that have been de- developing, and now there's, I think, a lot of great centers coming out of NBA drafts. So guys like Boogie Cousins, their stock is significantly falling quickly. So he's not only is his conditioning not the greatest, but he's got to just get healthy, and he's got to be that DeMarcus Cousins on the Kings that we saw way back. He's got to be that Boogie, and uh, he's got to he's just got to play the best ball he can because if he doesn't, then – I don't know what his next contract's gonna look like. It might be yeah. similar to the one he just signed this year at That's one a mil. A lot of money he's leaving on the table because of that decision to go to the Warriors and say, "Oh, I'm gonna win a championship right away." And right now, it's not looking too good for them if the Raptors can go up. So he might be regretting this decision. But I guess we'll have to wait till July to see who, which of the GMs out there. Maybe it might be Masai who brings him in. Short An- term. Another another huge thing for me is Clay's injury because Clay yeah. has been swirling in leaving Golden State. And if I'm Golden State's doctors, and if I'm Golden State's management, you don't want to fuck this up. Because let's say you play Clay in game three, and you you just say, yeah, you're clear, don't worry, you have a minor hamstring strain or like a minor whatever. And let's say he gets really injured. Let's say game three we see a Clay Thompson that's limping and he can barely walk off the court. Wouldn't that affect the morale of Clay Thompson and the management? And wouldn't he want to leave at that point? I see where you're coming from. But at the same time, I don't think you can erase the last four or five years of what they've been building there. Yeah, but look what happened with Kawhi Leonard. This is true. He won <laughs> He won an NBA Finals with that MVP with that team. And then he left because of the morale with the team. You think off that, though, Clay would want to leave everything he's built there with Steph and Draymond. My biggest question mark which is in Steph which is in Clay's head is do I want to build my own legacy? Do I not want to build off of Steph my whole career? Do I want to actually challenge Steph as the greatest shooter of all time in this league on different teams? Because I've heard players say that Clay Thompson is arguably better than Steph Curry at shooting. Now, statistics say he is not, but he's right behind him when it comes to threes. So I don't know if I'm Klay Thompson, like I could see him playing for the Lakers. He'd be the perfect guy for LeBron, the catch and shoot player. I, I I'm, all I'm saying is if I am the Warriors management, I am going to be very cautious with Klay Thompson because he is a free agent. Very cautious. Everything you said until he goes to the Lakers, because <laughs> then he's with LeBron and he's still second fiddle. There. Yeah. But the thing is, is he's going to be the guy that makes the threes there. He's oh, the guy that no. takes charge with the threes. That and, we know of. Until LeBron says, no, I want the uh, game-winning shot. <laughs> LA, I'm going to get some movie deals if I make the shot. You're not taking the shot. You're going to stand there in the corner. <laughs> you're going to just give me the ball, and I'm going to take over. I'm LeBron James. He's the mopede <laughs> of the team. He's just going to sit in the corner there. Just, yeah, pass the ball. I want the corner three. I'll get it, and then we'll, and that's it. Yeah, okay, so well, that's it for that. But get, what, what, are your, what are your predictions for game three and four in Oracle? Crowd's going to be a ruckus. Because it's their last time there, but I, I think the Raps will take one. Yeah, like like Alina I said agree. before, we just have to stick to our game because 
even two games in, we've already proven that we can hang with the Warriors, and it's a lot closer than what people think. Yeah, I just say, like, the Raptors need to put themselves in the position where when they're coming back for Game 5, it's with momentum, and then if they can win the Game 5, that puts the series where you can realistically see them go in and take it. So I think these two games are going to be crucial for them. Who do you guys think the biggest X factor is for both teams? For okay, for Kawhi, I think he easily for the Raptors. But if you're looking at another guy to come up, I'm actually going to go with OG Ananobi. If he can come back healthy, I think he might be playing more of a role than Siakam. Because we saw last year he was guarding LeBron as a rookie. And he, he did a great job up until that one shot. So I'm going to go with OG well, for the Warriors, I was going to say Cousins because they're having all these injuries and if someone has to step up and you want to prove and get that big contract, he would be the guy for me. Yeah. Uh, for me, the, the biggest X factor is actually uh, the Raps bench. Um, it's not one person. It's a whole unit. If the Raps bench is working, I don't see Golden State winning. I don't see them because in the fourth quarter, usually when the Raps do get in foul trouble, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Saul, I don't know what it is with the refs. They have not... They, they just they've been picking on both those guys they've been in foul trouble both games um you need guys like Fred Van Fleet Norman Powell even maybe a Patrick McCaw if he comes up and he wants to make a shot or two that that would be great for the Raps so I think the we saw in game one the Raps bench is far better than the Warriors so if the Raps bench wants to come out and play in the third and fourth quarter I don't know if the Warriors starting five can uh can deal with that so I think the Raps are going to take one in Golden State, but I think it's going to be 2-2 going back to Toronto for Game 5. That's my prediction. I want to see Lynn Sanity come up. Just imagine. Like he just starts getting going at the worst time for Golden State. He starts hitting threes everywhere. Like the Lynn Sanity we saw on the Knicks. I love Lynn. I don't think he's playing a minute. Yeah, Not one minute. Unless it's a blowout. But just imagine him just coming off the bench. Everyone's in foul trouble. Oh, Jeremy Lynn, you have to just go in for two minutes. He comes in and just starts scoring threes. The one thing that upset me, actually, last game, game when, when they went on that 18-0 run, do you know who they had on the floor when they were up by, like, 14? They had Alonzo McKinney. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the Warriors. Yeah. They had McKinney, Bogut. Oh, my God. Uh, I think they had Livingston, Igudala, and, and Urebko. Like, that sounds awful. That does not sound like a finals team. <laughs> that does not sound like a fourth-seeded team. Like, that doesn't sound like a good team. And we had all our guys on. And we had, like, we had guys like Siakam on. We had guys like Van Fleet on. We had guys like Danny Green. Like, we had guys that could shoot the ball, and they weren't making the open looks, and that's why we lost. But you know what? One more thing I want to talk about. Kawhi Leonard bought a house in Toronto. So what the hell does this mean for Toronto? Is this... uh? Oh, this is a one-year opportunity, that's it? Or is this going to be a real thing here where we actually make the pl- we make significant runs year after year with this team? Because if that's the case, the Raptors may be the team to watch in Toronto. And I'm saying that with confidence. Because if we can sign Kawhi Leonard... And we can have guys like Kyle Lowry still performing at a pretty decent, you know, like he's pretty, still pretty good. And you have guys like Fred Van Fleet still doing what they do. And we have Marc Gasol for another year. Can you see the Raps going to the finals again next year if Kawhi Leonard resigns? Okay, so if he buys, until I see a press conference and him doing that laugh again, 
I don't believe it. Like, cause you can buy a house. Jovinko still has his house and he went to Saudi Arabia. DeRozan, I think still had it. And for a while, so, I think he still has it. Yeah. So until Kawhi is up at that podium doing that laugh and with that claw logo, I don't, I don't see it just yet. I'm kind of taking this right now as if someone just got an extra spice <laughs> and threw it in the pot and it's still turning and no one's going to know until the day comes. Yeah, it's, but that is just fantastic news, though, and I really hope that's it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still going with Raps in seven. I think this is a very tight series, but again, with Clay being injured, if he is not gonna go in Game Three, this could easily be a Raps in five. This could easily be a Raps in six. If Oracle, if that energy is not bumping right away, and we we get going because we saw the Raps, they. They killed Milwaukee in Milwaukee. I don't care what anyone says. When we went to Milwaukee, every time we went there, we literally shut the crowd up because we were draining all our threes. And that's just what the Raps have to do. You have to make at least four threes in the first quarter, at least four or five threes, because I know Steph will make at least two and Clay will make at least two. And maybe, maybe Iguodala will make a couple. That's the thing with this team. I don't know who can make threes. Draymond even sometimes can make threes. We saw Boogie pull up for a couple threes. So I don't know, man. I think this is a this is a this is a tough one to predict. But I'm gonna say Raps seven, um, even with the clay injury, because I, you never know with guys like Quinn Cook pull up and start draining five threes in a game. So I have no idea. But I love what Nick Nurse has done. I love what Steve Kerr has done. And this has been a very fun final so far. Yeah, I'm sticking with uh, what I said before, Raps in seven. I'm sticking without predicting any numbers. I'm just going to go Raptors and not jinx it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, with that being said, we're going to move now to the NHL quick. I just want to talk about the NHL finals. It's been very fun. Bruins and Blues. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about game three where the Bruins absolutely slaughtered them on the scoreboard, seven to two in St. Louis. That was a monstrous performance, I thought, from Tuka Rask. He, he shut the door pretty well. And then on the other side, Bennington got pulled in Game 3. And a lot of people were kind of starting to say, oh, shit, is this the actual goalie that we need to start realizing? Because we've seen in the past, you have Andrew Hammond, you have those wonderful runs, and then you basically just go under a rock again. Are we seeing the same from Bennington? Because... Bennington in game five, in game three, allowing three goals on four shots in the first period is something that you don't want from your starting goaltender. So is this a is this a make or break performance or was this just a bad performance from him? I think it was just a, <clears throat> a bad performance because, you know, you're asking all these questions. But for the first time for the Blues, it's in the finals. He got you to the finals. This is the guy that you've been relying on all year you were in fucking last place for the first half of it and now they're the best team in the league the second half of it and it's solely because of that guy i'm not putting allen in that situation no for game five in the fight fi- that is way too much pressure and the guy's been cold the whole time i'm sticking with the guy that got me there i actually thought jake allen was gonna start <laughs> i was so worried for st louis I'm like no they got blown out they're going to start Jake Allen, aren't they? And then when I saw Bennington, I'm like, okay, They can't. Yeah, they can't. This is going to be a game for – if he can bounce back, he can at least uh, calm everybody's nerves in St. Louis. But I like the way they played. 
I like St. Louis's chances in this. I hope they win it because Boston, I'm not a big fan. And yeah, so St. Louis actually has someone now from within their organization. On the past, they had Halak. They go and get Brodeur. They went, <laughs> like Brian Elliott was another guy. So they were always back and forth with goalies. And Jake Allen comes up. They think he's the guy. They give him a nice contract. He doesn't do anything with it. And then Bennington just falls in their lap and he's run with it. So it's been a good story for Bennington and St. Louis. And I think they're going to end it with a Stanley Cup. Well, the big question now you just said Bennington's their guy. He's been their guy since January. What do you give him? Because guess what he is? He has an RFA. So what are you giving Jordan Bennington at a yearly salary? If I'm uh, convinced that he's the guy, probably six, seven-year deal. Five mil? In between five and six. In a perfect world, though, I would love to bridge him. That seems impossible. Though. With goalies, it is. It's hard. Because, like, it seems like... like you guys will break out one or two years in, and then they get an eight-year deal just like that. seems like the bridge contract doesn't exist anymore. Well, I guess the closest thing to a bridge deal is what Matthew signed for five years. Which was still how much per? 11.7 <laughs> or something. Yeah, they just, yeah, they got to get rid of these eight-year deals, make the max five like in the NBA, and you can only sign your guy five years, and if it's a UFA, RFA, or if you're offer-shooting someone too – Four years, and then you probably see a lot of people, a lot of people in the league making more money all around because then the salary cap will go up because they have to take advantage of these guys. But until they, the players actually care about the entertainment aspect of the game, they're not going to see that money for a long time. Well, it's crazy that you, you, we, we, I, I, I've been talking about Allen for three years now being the goalie for St. Louis, and oh, this guy's like he's coming up, he's 25 now. I think he's 28. He was 25 at the time. Like, this guy's pretty, fairly young. But when I said he was 25, the, the NHL just went from you're in your prime at 26 to in, you're in your prime at 20. So the game has just gotten younger and younger as the years have gone on. So I'm looking at Jordan Bennington here. He's 25 now. He was kind of doing the same thing. Not not on this level, but he was kind of doing what Allen was doing at 25. Allen came in and he had a fairly good start to his career. But then he just the inconsistencies definitely killed him. Um, but the crazy thing you said, um, Jordan Bennington started basically starting for them in January, January on from October to January, the blues were dead last in the league. And when I, I remember we did our first podcast, maybe second, third, we talked about the standings and we said that the devils were in last and the blues were in last. And I very, I remember saying, well, that's not going to last the blues being in last. That's not going to last. And now they're in the NHL final Stanley cup final. And Jordan Bennington now has a nickname, Jordan Winnington. So um, this goalie, I think, is the real deal. Uh, he just looks so confident. It looks like he doesn't have any nerves, nothing. So the game three performance, he allowed five goals. They then, they then pulled him. He had a 759 save. He allowed five goals on 19 shots. But Jake Allen allowed one goal on four shots while coming in. So his save percentage was just about the same as Bennington's. So... That's why I think it was a right move to not start Jake Allen in game in game four. And they got the must-needed win in game four. And now we have a great series, 2-2. Two, two. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Blues in seven. I think this is a really tough series. But I think the Blues are going to take it at TD Garden. And I think that's oh, going to be I think that's going to be very fun. Just like how the Blackhawks took it at TD Garden. 
said it to you guys before. Tyler Bozak, Game 7, OT winner. It has to happen. That would be a nice ending to that. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing I want to bring up is Tori Krug in Game 3 is the first defenseman in Bruins history. Bruins, this franchise has been around forever. First Bruins D in history to record four points in a game in the Stanley Cup Finals. So now this is where I have to ask you guys, where do you rank Boston's blue line in the NHL? Okay, real quick, that's very surprising because they have another guy back in history who you think would have done that a bunch of times. Bobby Orr. Yeah. Ray Bork, too. (laughs) Did you guys see that highlight package that Don Cherry put up on Hockey Night in Canada? Yeah. Oh, my God. Was it his birthday or something, Bobby Orr? Probably just another day. Oh, my God. He loves Bobby Orr. That, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. He said he's the greatest player of all time. I remember he said that. Oh, my God. Because I remember uh, they did the top ten, and then they, 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 uh, they discussed it, and then Ron told Don, he's like, who's your top three? He's like, oh, no question. It's Wayne, it's Gordy, and it's Bobby Orr. And I was like, okay, you're an old fuck. We just... <laughs> You're all old school, man. Come on. You got to put Sid in there. Sid's in the top three for me. All time. Woo! Man. We have different top threes then. <laughs> oh, yeah. that p- Probably, yeah. But that's... No, no, then you and uh, Don Cherry. Oh, me and Don, yeah, yeah for sure. 100%. Oh, 100%. Because he's probably going... It, <laughs> all these people that are playing in like when you Okay, when you look at like the three... Mo- now I'm getting off topic. Now when you talk about the three most influential players, yeah. it might be those three. Yeah. But I don't see Gordie Howe as a top no, three no, no, no. player ever. If he played now, he'd get suspended after every game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even, like, when you talk about, like, who's the greatest NHL player of all time, it, to me, it's Wayne Gretzky, and I don't even really think about it. Yeah. It's Wayne Gretzky. Um, but in my existence, it's Sidney Crosby. Yeah. So I will when – I'm, when I have kids one day, hopefully, uh, like – my kids will be like, oh, who was the greatest growing up? I'll be like, oh, Sidney Crosby for me was the greatest player I've ever seen. But Wayne Gretzky's stats, yeah, you're okay. never gonna you're never gonna see that again. Then Ovechkin's probably the only one who can touch the scoring. Ovechkin and Yager, if Yager stayed three years, they're the only one that can get close. But Gretzky's still like overall statistic wise, you're never gonna catch that. In a very simple interview, if someone was like interviewing me, they're asking me questions. Chris, who's who's your who's the best? NHL player ever, I would say Wayne Gretzky. Chris, who is your favorite or who was your most – who was like the best you watched growing up? Sidney Crosby. Who's the best goal scorer you've ever seen? Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. So all these questions are very easy to answer. But when you start talking about top threes and top fives and you start mentioning Bobby Orr and Gordy Howe and it's like, okay, you're in a different era. Like I've never seen Gordy Howe as a top three player – I've never seen Marc Messier as a top three player. And when I say that, people are like biting their tongue. Like, how can you say that? He's one of the best leaders of all time. He's like third in points. It's like, yeah, but it's an opinion. The hardest thing to do in sports is compare eras and then look at their stats and say like. If you look at stats, Lemieux might be the greatest player of all time. And no one says that. No one. He's played a thousand games. No. got sick and then injuries. and He had 1,700 points. In 900 games, that is that is just that's close to Gretzky, if not on par. That's very close. Because I remember one year I saw the stats. 
looking at me, a young Chris, looking at a very old Mario Lemieux hockey card. I turn it over, and I see he had 180 points in, like, 63 games. And I'm like, you're never seeing that again. The closest we saw was Nikita Kucherov this year, 128 in, like, 82 or 81. That's Lemieux coming off, uh, was it, leukemia that he had? Yeah. He still got that. And he got a standing O from the Philly crowd. Now that, that is classy. A player. <laughs> so uh, what was the original question yeah. that you asked? Top three. <laughs> <laughs> no, my original question is, where do you rank the Blues D right now in the league? Blues D. With, I mean, not the no, Blues, the Bruins, the Bruins D. Okay, because well, uh, Tory Krug is putting up four points a game. Brandon, uh, Brandon, holy shit. Charlie McAvoy is amazing. Brandon Carlo is eating up minutes, 25 a night. So Dano Chara can still go. Matt Grelchuk or whatever his name is, he's pretty good. He's not bad. I think the first three guys there are the, the – those, those They're your the pillars. Guys yeah, they're your you're pillars. You're going to rely on those – not Crew because Crew's like 28, 29 now. Is he actually? Oh, so he's, he's younger than that. He's the guy right he now. He looks younger, yeah. He looks younger he's than that. He's got a baby face. He still can't grow anything really. But yeah, the last four or five years, he's been putting up 50 points, and now you're seeing in the playoffs. He can't, He broke out in the playoffs. I remember that. 2014. Right out of college, I remember that. Now they're going to the finals, and, you know, nothing's really Well, he was changed. there before. Well, no, he wasn't there before, was he, he there? The Leafs, I think he broke out. When they won in Game 7? Good times. I think it was the I think it was the playoff after that. The 14-15? Yeah, I think it was because I remember he torched the Rangers. He <laughs> torched them. Like torched them. So would you rank the Bruins D like top five? Because before the season I said the Flames had the best D in the league. And if it wasn't the if it wasn't the Flames, it was either Nashville or St. Louis. I still think we have to wait on it because Carlo and McAvoy, like, they're really young and <sighs> they're gonna promising, be great. But I still gonna gotta see on them. I'm not sure. Like, I know Mac. I haven't seen enough from McAvoy because he misses half the year. And then he plays the second half and he kills it. I'm like, okay, what can you do in a full season, though? It's just because I'm looking at Carlo, and every time I see him, he looks better and better, and he plays more minutes. And he's not the offensive guy you need, but he's that defensive guy that you need to shut the door. He's like a Bowmeister. He reminds me of a Bowmeister. He just shuts the door, and he does his job. And you have guys like Krug and McAvoy who could just eat you alive on offense. And that's exactly why I have the Bruins in the top five for D and top five probably in the NHL this year. Their team has just been – they probably have the best line in hockey. We've been saying this for two years, Marshawn, Bergeron, and Pasternak. They devoured the Leafs last year, and this year they didn't devour the Leafs that much. We kind of shut down Pasternak pretty well, but game game seven, the fourth line killed us. Corrali got that clutch goal, and then we didn't. they didn't look back, and they shut us down the third and – now they're here in the Stanley Cup final, and uh, they're two games away from winning it all. So I'm hoping the Blues win this game. I really want to see Petrangelo win a cup. I think he deserves it. Jordan Bennington deserves it. He's had he's arguably, arguably been the MVP of the year when you look at it all said and done. he's Would you put him in the heart talks? Bennington? When you look at like January to now, would you put him in the heart talks? Because I would. I think I would. I don't know how you can argue against that. Like yeah, well, you can in saying, like, he's a rookie, he came out of nowhere, like, but again, like, ever since he started, they just won, 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 kept winning everything, they kept winning all year. Like, they were literally dead last, and they put him in, and they went the first. <laughs> and literally, Tarasenko, love the guy, did not have that great a year. 
Braden Shen, love the guy. Didn't have that great a year. We have to give our boy some love. Ryan O'Reilly. Who has been a monster. In the past, too, like the teams he's been on, he just gets shafted all the time. I love you say our boy, and I just knew <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly. It's like, he's been on those brutal Colorado teams. The one year they went to the playoffs yeah. and lost in the first round. And then in Buffalo, and like we say, like he's one of the most underrated guys. He needs to be on a good team. And he, everyone can yeah. see what he can do. And now he's finally given the chance. And look where they are. When you look at the definition of a hockey player, you'll see guys like Bergeron. You'll see guys like Taves. You'll see guys like Ryan O'Reilly in that because he's that good. Who is your Conn Smythe then? You give it to Bennington? My con, my con, no, it's not Bennington. My Conn Smythe winner is probably Jaden Schwartz because he carried the Blues in that Winnipeg series alone. If it wasn't for Schwartz, I don't know if they would have won. But, like – I don't know what it was last series with the Blues and uh, the Sharks. The Blues at times, their forwards, all of them looked awful. All of them. Shen did not look good. Perron at times looked invisible. Tarasenko, he has, I think, 11 goals this playoffs. Yeah. And I remember like two of them. I don't remember all the goals he scored. Charlie Coyle has nine playoff goals. <laughs> See, like that, I don't, I didn't rem- I don't re- remember one goal. So you're looking at the Blues offense, and like at times they just they didn't look like they wanted to be there. So if I want, if the Blues win, I don't really know who to give the consmite. I want to say Jaden Schwartz or Ryan O'Reilly, but uh, they'd probably give it to Bennington. But I don't, I wouldn't give it to Bennington. I mean, if I'm the Bruins, Tuka Rask is definitely the one yeah. for me. But. I don't know with the Blues. It's like a flip a coin right now. I really have no idea. Like we said in the past that when Crosby won it, it should have gone to Kessel. Oh, yeah, it or it should have gone to Murray and yeah. then it went to Malkin. So like it's up for grabs this year if it's the Blues. Like we probably will disagree if they give it to Bennington, but it is Jordan Bennington. So I don't know. It's tough. Who do you have winning the consummate? I don't Terry Sinkle, like with the stats, like the goals, I think they might take that into account. O'Reilly's been like really good. And then Bennington, so Whoever's voting is going to be in a dilemma there. I think one of O'Reilly and Schwartz, and then it probably Rask. <laughs> well, that's it for NHL because there's, there's three games left, 2-2, and we will have to wait and see. But hopefully the Blues win because I want, I, I want Petrangelo and O'Reilly to just hold that cup. And other I, reasons we won't mention. And and we're biased as hell. So uh, moving on, we're gonna go to the WWE universe, and we're gonna go to Raw. <laughs> we're gonna go to Raw, and uh, opening Raw, <laughs> opening Raw, Roman Reigns again, again. Yeah, this isn't Smackdown. the SmackDown <laughs> superstar. Roman Reigns kicks off Raw. Shane McMahon interrupts, or was it no? Did Roman interrupt? Who interrupted? Drew, I know Drew, Shane, and Roman all came yeah, out. They're all involved. Shane all, interrupted. Okay, yeah. so that's the point. They all came out. They all talked down their match they have at Super Showdown. And then we got the treat of having the Revival and Shane – or no, the Revival and Drew versus the Usos and Roman later on in the night. This segment literally did nothing for me again other than we kind of saw I – lo- I love seeing the Revival and Drew together. I think that would be a great faction that would work. But it's too good to be true. I don't think they. I don't think they would pull the trigger on that. I think it was just a one-time thing of Shane getting a few heels, few more extra heels, like by his side, 
to beat up Roman, and then you won't see him again the next week. Now, the thing that really bothered me here was that Shane announced that at stomping ground, it's going to be Drew versus Roman. I feel like when you get into situations like this, the Raw creative team or creative team in general, they just rush a match and they just rush a program and they just... Like, I feel like they have nothing for Roman. And that's crazy to say right now. I feel like they really have nothing for him. So it's like, put you in a feud with Shane because you are over right now. And then we'll put you in a feud with Drew because he's linked to Shane. So after that segment, I feel like like the creative is just looking really lazy. Do you agree with me on that? Like they just kind of announce a match and it's like, oh, all right. Like, I think the, we saw it at Mania too already. I do agree with that. The the best slash worst thing, I, I laugh when I see these. When I'm just going through Twitter and they announce a new match. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's so much effort. But <laughs> yeah, I think I'm on board with that. They are a little lazy. But the Roman and Drew, I mean, the match will be fine. Yeah, I mean, it was good at Mania. Like it was, we, it was decent. We were. Really, it was in that hard hour there where we weren't. It was a bad situation. <laughs> it but, was. It was bad. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be hard hitting, and hopefully they both move on to bigger and better things. Especially Drew. Well, they're both on separate shows, so I hope. Ever since <laughs> Drew split up with, uh, everyone's gonna hate this when they split up it's with Dolph. Way. Yeah, he's been kind of irrelevant. Yeah, and the the longest time everyone's saying, wait till him and Dolph are done, and he's gonna, you know. That's what I roof. thought. And That's what went, we all thought. Yeah. And then it went the other way somehow. <laughs> Again, it's booking. And um, if you're going to put Roman Reigns on Raw every week, I know that they're eventually going to get rid of the the separate brands because it's already – it's looking like that when <laughs> Roman opens Raw four weeks in a row. So at this point in time, when you look at booking decisions and you look at what programs you want to see, if there's going to be no brands anymore – I feel like we're going to be in 2012 mode or 2013 where literally you're looking at the shows and it's like you have so many different guys that you could put against each other and you can make it work. But you're going to put on – you're going to just give us some random bullshit that we've seen already. Like Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns, is that really the best you can do come stomping ground? Like really? Like you you can probably give us – you could probably give us like a Roman Reigns – Versus Samoa Joe for the United States title because I, I want to see that again because that first match they had was was pretty bad and that main event at a show so I feel like they could kind of they could redeem themselves there Drew McIntyre you could put him against Seth Rollins you could put him even against Braun Strowman I think that would be a pretty decent match but I would have Drew win with WWE no they'd probably have Braun win so without the brand split like there's a lot of opportunities you could have. But they're not going to do it because that's just WWE. They're not going to do it. But like this this match here, you have the you have Drew McIntyre and the Revival. They've never been paired before. Taking on the Usos and Roman. We used, Those three guys we saw before when it was uh, Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles, that was entertaining as hell. Put them in a match here. Drew McIntyre gets the win. Beautiful. But are we going to see this happen again? Probably not. Drew McIntyre next week is probably going to be side by side with either Lashley or Shane or Corbin. The dream team. So yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not like when there's segments like this that happen in matches like this is my nunno. And matches like like in matches like that that happen, it's just like it's not going to happen again. And like the revival versus the Usos, too good to be true. 
But this was a great match for Drew. He needed that win. I'm surprised he got the pinfall, actually. Bit of shenanigans, because yeah. why the fuck not? Roman's not allowed to lose clean. Yeah. I don't know why that's a thing. Like, they're competitors. Drew's a beast. He's going to be here for a while. Just let him get the win. Why does Shane have to be a little loser around the ring for <laughs> <laughs> Now, like, moving forward, I'm looking at the show. Miz TV with Seth Rollins was really whatever for me. I didn't really... Miz has lost a lot of credibility because of the random wins by Shane. I think that Miz should have easily won that feud, but he didn't. But it's obvious now why he won the feud, because he's now feuding with Roman. So I guess you needed Shane to look strong. Shane had to go over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know the deal. (laughs) And then, like, there's moments on the show where I turn it off because there's stuff like Lars Sullivan and the Lucha House Party. And why is that a thing? They're wrestling on Friday. They are. I'm surprised that's on the card. I'm not going to lie. And then there's like the Becky Lynch promo. Oh, that was bad. And I love the women's division, but right now, everything with Becky feels forced, and everything with Lacey is awful. Her in-ring work, I thought, was way better than what I I saw. I was like, you're facing Charlotte here. This is like a make-or-break match, and you're not... I'm going to make a... Not really a bold statement because you saw the match last night, but that was the worst Charlotte Flair match I've ever seen, and it was not her fault. Because every time it's so bad. Every time I see Lacey Evans, and I want to like her so much, she just Roman gets Reigns. worse and worse. She's Roman Reigns. Uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, she's got the look, same build. I saw on I saw on Twitter, and it was a perfect comparison. It was a picture of Trish Stratus, and then like an evolve. Like emoji, and then and then Lacey Evans, <laughs> and I'm like, this is actually like pretty accurate because Lacey Evans has been getting handed everything, everything, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I thought she was gonna win the Raw Women's Title, because I thought that Becky was more fitting for SmackDown, yeah, but I guess she's on Raw now. Charlotte's on Raw. Well, it's another so, name every week. Yeah, over and back and forth. And I don't know, like, this is a match where I'm looking at Lacey, and this is supposed to be like a breakout match. You're on Raw, you're facing Charlotte. She's been the main event of the women's division ever since 2016, and she's arguably the greatest women's wrestler that we've ever seen in WWE. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, So this, not only does this feud go on and it feels really stale and forced, but Lacey Evans is getting worse. She's not getting better. I think I, uh... I said it to Carabetta last night, and this is this is pretty bold, but I honestly think she should still be at the performance center. I don't see it right now. Do you now. think do you think do you think this is the thing? When you look at Vince McMahon's thinking, yeah. he thinks too much about the character development and he doesn't think about the in-ring work. It's like at some point the bell has to ring and you have to go in there. You have to make it look passable for 10 to 15 minutes. Why do you think guys like The Undertaker and these guys are legends? Because they have the character and they have the in-ring ability. Still seeing them to this day. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's people like Lacey. There's people like Bray Wyatt in the past where they just their character drives them. But when they go in the ring... Nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing good comes out of it. That's what I think. That's what made Dean Ambrose leave was the character development. 
Vince didn't see him other than he just saw him as a lunatic, nothing else. Some wacky guy who goes out there, does random things. Like literally. So that's why now John Moxley's like, go fuck yourself. I'm going to go to AEW. I'm going to go to New Japan and I'm going to be the hottest wrestler on the planet. So that's the problem with WWE is they focus too much on characters. And yeah, you could have like the woman's right, whatever, Lacey Evans, like the mom and she's jacked and she was in the army and it's great. But when it, when you go in the squared circle, you got to perform in order to be the best. And you didn't perform tonight. And this this feud, I want to be done very soon. I don't I don't want to see Lacey Evans versus Charlotte anymore, or Lacey Evans versus Becky, because if this re- revolves in a triple threat match, like is Charlotte winning this? Probably, like uh, <laughs> I don't know, she man. Like past Ric Flair's record by the end of the year. She brought that up, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna happen at some point. But the, for me, the, the the best part of the show was uh, Rey Mysterio coming out and relinquishing that title. Like I said he should have two weeks ago, and he does it here. And then Samoa Joe just chokes him out, <laughs> and I loved it. Uh, I think from here on out, Samoa Joe has to hold the title for a long time. I said that before in the past, and it didn't happen. But I think now he needs to hold this belt for a very long time. Yeah. And you know who I think should take it off him? A baby face, Cesaro. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen, though. Too good to be true. Is Joe technically a two-time champ now? I think so. Yeah. I love that we just handed it to him, and then he just choked the belt. (laughs) I love the fucking three-second pause before he lunged at him. Yeah. He's like, please don't come at me. And then just drops him. (laughs) It put a lot of heat on Joe, I'll say that. So Speaking of Cesaro, they did the match with Ricochet for the third or fourth week in a row. Third, third. Like this 50-50 booking... Is bullshit. I don't. I don't know what else to say about that. The only yeah. other thing I want to talk about with Raw was Brock Lesnar beating the hell out of Seth Rollins, and then trolling everyone and not cashing in. I thought that was pretty funny. Friday. But <laughs> and he danced again. But rap. again, oh I feel like with Brock coming back, it just gives a lot, a lot of issues to Baron Corbin because Baron Corbin, I saw him in that segment, and he didn't look like a threat at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, Corbin has that match with Seth at Super Showdown, but everyone's just talking about Brock Lesnar. So, Corbin right now is a liability, I think. And, like, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? Because Corbin isn't – we've been saying for months how this guy is one of the top heels and, like, everyone hates him. But now Brock coming back and doing the Brock party and beating the shit out of Seth the, the Monday before, there's, like, no attention on Baron Corbin. So, what are your thoughts with Baron right now? Okay, so first, Brock has appeared at Money in the Bank, the Raw after that, last week's Raw, this week's Raw, and he's going to appear on Friday. That's a time and a half for a regular worker like Brock Lesnar. (laughs) I think he beat up Seth Rollins and you saw when he got loaded up in the ambulance. Could that be a sign that Baron Corbin's going to take advantage and win the title on Friday? (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine if he says... I beat Seth Rollins, and I'm your universal champion. He just says that for a whole month, and then loses it at Stomping Ground. But just gonna, for that whole month of rain. Is he going to add that to his introduction? I think like so. Like, I'm the man that retired Kurt Angle and defeated the Beast Slayer. <laughs> I mean, that would be great for him, but I, I was kind of viewing this. When you look at the grand scheme of things, and you're like, okay, Rollins is going to beat Corbin and then move on to this, yeah. and you just kind of assume something's going to happen. Much like how Kofi just kind of ran over Owens, and we all kind of assumed Owens wasn't going to win. I'm just kind of seeing this as Rollins is going to 
simply be Corbin and then do something with Lesnar? When's Lesnar going to take the title? Because, like, yeah, I'm not really seeing him as a threat. And I'm kind of in the minority, and I do like Corbin. So that is kind of unfortunate. I can see him win the title, which is crazy. Because you know how their booking is. Just one month. Okay, Seth, you had the title. I want to give it to Baron Corbin just because of the amount of heat he's going to get. <laughs> and then whoever the face is that comes after him, they're going to cheer more. Like maybe uh, if they want to give Ricochet that huge push, I don't think it would happen. But Baron Corbin every week would say, I beat the Beast Slayer. So that means I'm the best on the roster. I retired Kurt Angle. If Baron Corbin, stuff. if Baron Corbin winning the title means that we're gonna get a Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman feud down the line for the Universal Title, oh I am so not in for that. And I've been a Braun Strowman. And okay, if Braun Strowman wins the title, that's great. But it's like two years too late. Yeah, and and, it, and like all his momentum is basically gone he had an arm wrestling match with bobby lashley on raw <laughs> that was horrible so like all his momentum's been gone for a while i think that kevin owens feud buried Strowman in the long run like it did nothing for both it just it was a waste of time last year what if uh what if gorbin wins the title and then he faces a face brock lesnar because oh. everyone's on board with the brock party and all that shit i think brock destroyed okay <laughs> as long as brock is like a mainstay and a full-timer. He won't be a full-timer, though. But if he is, like, a face and, like, he wins and he defends it once in a while, I'll be okay with that. But Do you, uh, do you think they can make that work, though? Because, like, no one wants to see Corbin have any kind of success and no one wants to see Brock. I don't want to see Brock as champ. So the fact that he would be the good guy and, like, Corbin would still be the – like, do you think they can make that work? Because that's a could. fucked up situation. Well, they, they made Lesnar and Taker work. Where Lesnar was the face and Taker was the heel, and I'm like, but yeah, wait, but what? That wasn't for a title. Like this would be for this would be for a title. Lesnar with the yeah, the one that's been held hostage. Yeah, and then Corbin would come out like, I don't know, that'd be a tough thing to promote. I think <laughs> even if Paul Heyman, I it's a lot of pressure. Believe it or not, on Baron Corbin. Yeah, because I feel like he's not ready yet to be the Universal Champion. Yeah, as crazy of a push he's been getting, I don't think he's ready still. I don't know why. I just I don't see him holding that red title yet. I can just see Vince sitting there and just laughing up a storm, just being like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this this will stir it up. Book it for the next four months." So, uh, with that being said, we're just gonna go into Super Showdown predictions. Uh, Lars Sullivan's gonna beat the Lucha House Party. That's obvious. Um, Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon. Now, if you're booking this, and the way that Roman Reigns has been over. Would you have Shane McMahon win this? No. No. Roman has to win. Like, you can't relive what you just did with The Miz. If you do, then that means you're going to get another Shane and Roman match, and it's going to drag on. And But that's the thing. Guess what the next pay-per-view is? Is it the Stomping Ground? It's Extreme Rules. Oh. Wait, is it Extreme Rules? No. There's one stomping every two ground. weeks. It's hard to get. Stomping it's Stomping Ground. Because I know Extreme Rules is... Uh, yeah, that's coming up. That's Extreme. And I think they would want to see a Shane and Roman in an extreme match. I mean, I just, the way Shane is, the way he's been doing things, he just inserts himself. Yeah. So, like, even if he's done with Roman, he'll probably piss off Ricochet and then they'll do a spot fest for 25 minutes. There's only three matches I'm looking forward to on this show, on the Super Showdown show. And they're all full-time wrestlers here, all of them. Oh, so you're not looking forward to the 50-man battle royal? That's the one I'm looking forward to. That oh, one. Oh, that's going to be rough to watch. And my, 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 my prediction is Drew wins that and Ooh. starts a great 
he's going to have a great path, I think. I think he's going to fit everyone in there. The other match that I'm looking forward to, obviously, Finn Balor versus Andrade for the Intercontinental title. That's a treat. Um, I think Finn's going to win that, but Andrade, I think, should win. And then, of course, you have Dolph Ziggler versus Kofi Kingston. I think that match, the way that Kofi's been going, I think that match is going to steal the show, but... Oh uh, yeah, going back to predictions, Roman Reigns, you think he's going to win? Hope so. I I think he's going to win too, but I wouldn't be surprised if Shane won this and they ended it in like an extreme rules match and Roman beat him there. Wouldn't be surprised. Um I just noticed now we're going to have uh, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley at the show. What <laughs> Why are they just put them in the in the in the the Royal Rumble or whatever the hell it's called? I think they'll still be in there actually. Yeah, they do stuff like that. I think Lashley should win that. The Battle Royal or that match? No, no, that match. I don't think Strowman should win. Like, Why are they fighting? Don't ask. One's a heel and the other's a baby face. Screw you for asking. Just deal with it, okay? Bobby <laughs> Lashley wins since WWE doesn't like giving Strowman a lot of victories. Makes sense. All right. You won it the last time or at the Greatest Royal Rumble? Now, before we get off, actually, no, we'll talk about NXT quickly after, too. Um, I just want to talk about the part-time matches. Triple H versus Randy Orton. Are you excited for that? Because WrestleMania 25 was a fucking downer. Uh, ask me back in. And this is 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not excited for that. Goldberg and The Undertaker. My hip is going to be hurting watching that one. <laughs> Just pray to God Goldberg doesn't spear him. Goldberg's winning in two minutes, I'm calling it. He's going to squash The Undertaker. That would be bad. <laughs> I think there's going to be interference. It's going to be into, turned into a tag match. You're going to see Elias come out. And I don't know who is going to be with them. Maybe Sami Zayn. And we're going to see those two guys face Undertaker and Goldberg because I don't think they want to ruin the whole mystique and aura about Goldberg and Undertaker. They're going to they're gonna ruin it. Yeah. They're going to ruin gonna it. Gonna Goldberg's going to win in two minutes. They're, they're ruining gonna do like it. They're going to stare down and then you'll see, oh, look. You know, what he's, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> Goldberg's going to be in the ring and he's going to take his hat off, do the eye thing. He's going to spear him and that's it. <laughs> that's your That's your winner right there. Oh. Yeah, fuck Goldberg, fuck Undertaker, get out of here. <laughs> fuck, man. Been watching them since I was four, and I'm 24 now, man. Come on, get out of here. Oh, shit. Anyway, uh, then we have Andrade Finn. You guys think Finn retains? Yeah. Yeah, he's a demon in this. He's going to win. <laughs> he is the demon? He announced it? Yeah, they showed it. Love when they do that. Yeah. Fuck, man. No surprise anymore. And then Seth and Baron. So, Seth, I, I'll say Seth retains yeah. here. Awesome. <laughs> Baron Corbin winning, man. It wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think they want to do that in Saudi Arabia. And uh, <laughs> do you guys think Ziggler has any chance of beating Kofi? No. He's gone. In my delusional mind, yes. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> How good has Kofi's run been? It's been great, yeah. man. His matches have been incredible. Yeah, the, the match with Owens on the SmackDown, I think it was last week. His, th- that Fastlane match was incredible, eh? It was. Holy shit. Yeah, Brian man. retaining that and then going to Mania and Kofi won. And ever since, I think he's been putting on stellar. Ma- and then Ziggler comes back out of nowhere. I like this. I love it. Like, half of the fans hate him and then half love him. He's one of those guys. And he always flip-flops from a face to a heel. So yeah. I think that's kind of what ruined him a little bit. If they were consistent in his booking, I think he'd be a bigger star right now. But unfortunately... This is just a filler feud. For I'm people. surprised as hell to say that Ziggler is a bigger deal at this show than Drew McIntyre. I'm so surprised when I say that. But I think Drew's going to win the, the, the largest uh, over-the-top 
battle royal in history, 50. Nah, it doesn't count. <laughs> There's I only four count. confirmed participants in the match. Well, that's a... And it's Tuesday. <laughs> it's the, Re- the Revival and the Usos are the only confirmed participants. Four out of 50. I kind of dig that. Because then if, like, when you're watching it live, like, who's going to come out? I don't even know who's in it. What would you do if a guy like a Rusev won it? I'd be fucking thrilled. I haven't seen him since Mania, and this stupid wildcard bullshit is setting so many people back. Can I be honest with you? I could see the 50 entrant being Bray Wyatt and winning the match. For that reason alone, I would get the network and watch that. Yeah. Just to see that. I think I think he has to come back, like, soon. Like, he has to come back. Because they've been doing it all week. And I said last week, I love it, but just come now. Don't keep doing it. Like, I want to see you wrestle. So if that means he has a program with, like, Braun Strowman down the line or a Drew Mack. Like, I, have, I do you think he'll come back as a face or a heel? I think uh, – See, like, I have no idea with <laughs> this character. Heel. Maybe a heel. The way it's been being played, though, you think he'll flip-flop, like, I, purposely? I hope not. Well, he's like happy-go-lucky, and yeah. then he's a fucking killer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good. This battle royal, though, with all these unconfirmed people, I think we're gonna have a lot of because last year, yeah, last year was a lot of NXT, Matt Riddle. UK, and NXT. I'm gonna go with an NXT guy winning it. Matt Riddle's a bit of a troll because he tweeted, "Brock, <laughs> yeah, that Brock, was... I'll see you Monday," and then doesn't show up. I think Matt Riddle wins. <laughs> King of the Bros. He's gonna win the battle royal. Never go well, moving game. forward, I want to just take us to NXT TakeOver 25 because this was a great show. And uh, What else is new? Um, we had a great NXT Tag Team Fatal 4-Way Ladder match. I thought that match, I it was an unpredictable winner. Um, I, thought, I actually thought that um, the Undisputed Era was going to win it because I didn't expect them to be called up anytime soon and they are the best tag team when i look at it but the street profits get the tag titles what are your thoughts on that because i i never saw them as the top tag team in nxt i just never did it's a change of the curve i absolutely love this because like it the undisputed era this is probably like they may have one more program one or two a couple more months and then it's time to move on because it's been over a year they've been down there and uh, the Street Profits, are, they're actually unbelievable. They remind me of uh, kind of like Crime Time. Better, quicker. Yeah, yeah. Just that same setup, though. You have, like, the big guy and then the really athletic guy, and it just it's a nice mix. And, yeah, it's a new era there in the tag division. They're going all in with them. What were your thoughts, guys, on Shayna, ba- Shayna Baszler and Eel Shirai? Because that match to me was great. Shayna retains, and you have a young star in Eel Shirai that will probably take it, if not her. Um Maybe Bianca Belair, but one of the two, I think, will take it from Shayna. And Shayna, when she comes to the main roster, watch out. Should gonna, be soon. Yeah, Because, like, should. Raw is uh, just a fucking wildfire, and they need some help there. <laughs> yeah. But, like, social media exploded because everyone wanted Shayna to lose because it's been so long. Yeah. The way I look at it, though, is, like, she's this unbeatable, like, badass. And she's just – she's beaten literally everyone, and it's going to be that much sweeter when – Maybe an Io Shirai or a Candice LeRae or someone like that comes in and finally dethrones her. And then she can move on to the main roster and help them out, hopefully. 
Well, the thing with uh, a lot of people that did, they don't like about Shayna Baszler's reign is they kind of relate it to Asuka's as like she ran through everyone and they're like, oh, this is the same thing. We're seeing the same thing all over again. Like she's just beating everyone nonstop. And it's like, but you got to look at them. They're two completely different wrestlers. One is has an MMA background. The other one is just a fantastic wrestler. And Asuka right now is actually nowhere. I haven't seen Asuka in a month, maybe two months. And I don't know why. I have no idea what the hell she did. Uh, I don't know where that tag team is. I don't know where they are. Kyrie Sane and what are they called? The the Kabuki Warriors. There you go. <laughs> I, I don't know where they are. Maybe they're on SmackDown tonight. I have no idea. But um, Io Shirai to me, I think, is the one that has to take it from Shayna eventually. If not like Candice LeRae or she them. She beat the holy hell out of her after the match. So it might be another one down the line. Hopefully at uh, Toronto TakeOver. We'll get to see that. And then, of course, we had... Velveteen versus Tyler Breeze. I loved seeing Tyler Breeze have a, a meaningful match against Velveteen, but I love the selfie at the end of the match. Um, what were your thoughts on Tyler Breeze's performance? I thought it was great. Loved it. I thought he was. Uh, he was one of those. It was one of those performances. I look at it and I'm like, this was one of the best performances you've had and one of the best opportunities you've had in quite some time. So just soak it all in because I don't know if you'll really have it again. Which, was a, so it's kind of a dream match when you look at it. To for characters, yeah, it was for two sure. Two of these like homegrown creations and different like you didn't think it would happen now because Breeze has been on the main roster for a while. But like yeah, he, he comes back down. People see it as a demotion. I really like NXT's probably the best brand in the world of wrestling. So it's a promotion for me. And he faces a guy like Velveteen Dream in a sold out fifteen thousand seat arena like. That's only going to do good for your career. So, like, to him to face a guy like Dream in a, a character-style match like that was actually amazing. Yeah. Velveteen Dream, though, I think he needs to get called up. He's been <laughs> down there too long. He's faced everyone. He's had these programs. He's an actual character that WWE needs. They have all these guys that can do all these flips and kicks and, like, all these super kicks and all that. But you need a character. He's that guy. I think they need to call him up now. Also, the other match that was kind of, I thought it was out of nowhere, was Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong. I didn't really get why they had to do this. I think it was to get Matt Riddle on the card. But you know what's crazy? I think they did this match because they want to build Roderick Strong. And they want to build him to face Adam Cole at the next NXT TakeOver in Toronto. I don't know. I feel like they're building Roderick Strong versus Adam Cole for the NXT title. Is anyone against that? No, I'm not. Just I think the undisputed era is another team. They've spent too much time on NXT. It, yeah, like I feel like if they are gonna go with Roderick versus Adam Cole for the belt, it's kind of a lose lose because like one of them has to stay in NXT. Yeah. Even if Roderick does win, then Adam Cole, then the undisputed era is not a faction moving, you know, going up. So. There was a... It's a lose-lose there. There was controversy within the Undisputed Era at the time. Remember, they were, like, teasing a breakup? Yeah. And Roderick was the guy. They're like, Rodney, you have to prove yourself. So they put him in the match with Matt Riddle, which, if you get, like, an old-school pro wrestling fan, you look at these two guys, and, like, this is going to be the best match on the fucking card, hands down. It was so hard-hitting. And in my opinion, like, the Undisputed Era took off when Strong joined the group. Yeah, because like a lot of people, they say, were missing like, a lot of elements before they got Roderick. They're like, it's the main three, and then Rodney came on later. I'm like, that's when they fucking took off. Like, you need these four together. 
And now with uh, the tag team, Fish and O'Reilly, like those guys are like a little bit injury prone recently. You know, Bobby Fish, he had that sling on his arm. So if they break them up, I think that was probably the idea going in. But now with one of them injured, you can't like call them up as a tag team of Adam Cole and O'Reilly. You would have to make sure everyone's healthy. The For me, the only thing with breaking them up is I think Bobby Fish is um... – I, out of all the guys in the undisputed era, I feel like he's the guy that would struggle as a single star. I, I see O'Reilly. I think he could be a great single star, maybe going for like a U.S. title, like a mid-card title. But then you have like the Adam Cole. He's your he's your main guy. He's the guy that will hold the Universal or the WWE title. And even a Roderick Strong. I think if you give this guy an opportunity, Vince probably won't because he isn't. He's not the biggest. But again, Kofi has the belt, so you never know. But Roderick Strong and Adam Cole to me are the MVPs of the Undisputed Era. So like you said, without Roderick Strong, I don't know how big the Undisputed Era really would be. So like they missed that big element without Roderick Strong. He comes to the Undisputed Era. He brings that element. And if this is all to just have Roderick Strong versus Adam Cole for the undis- for the for the NXT title, it's kind of lo- it's kind of a lose-lose for me for both of them. Like it's great you guys are facing each other for the big belt. But in the long scheme of things, don't you want to all kind of debut together on the main roster? I don't want to see. I just want them to stay as a faction and they have success wherever they go. It's not like one has to break through and it's okay. You go one direction, you go the other. Like No, but if one does break through, we know who it is. Yeah, it's going to be Cole. Yeah. But like for Fish and O'Reilly, I don't think – because they've been Red Dragon for a long time. Yeah. For like the last 10 years in Ring of Honor and – yeah they're legends there yeah i would just like the usos like they're basically brothers just stay as a tag team you guys do your best work together and don't ever break up just stay now 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 here's the biggest thing with adam cole beating gargano what's next for gargano because champa tweeted to cole waving saying oh like i I have a rematch so i want to face you for it does it become a triple threat match are we going to see gargano versus champa again like down the road that would probably not happen for another year I think they ended. Like I don't want to see that again. Champa's injured. I don't want to see Gargano and Champa again. I think they ended. At least not on NXT. It ended perfectly for me before. Yeah. Not the injury, of course, but just the whole story before that. I think it's time. Gargano's another time. Like he's been there for a long time. It's maybe a a a promotion. Yeah. And he was on the main roster too. Him (laughs) and Champa. I thought they got called up and then. Going into WrestleMania, they put them back down against NXT because they were on SmackDown every week. Well, yeah, because look at guys like Aleister Black now. Where are they? Nowhere. So, like, it's just... He's been cutting a minute and a half promos on SmackDown. Yeah, they've been cryptic, too. For two months. That's it. It's better... I guess it's better him doing that with his, like, mysterious character than being thrown in a random tag team with Ricochet. I guess it's better. Still leaves you guessing, like, what what is he going to do instead of... Like, a lot of people are saying, oh, is Black going to align with Wyatt when he comes? And it's like, that'd be pretty cool. Or maybe they face each other. I have no idea. But for me, the the thing that came out of this match was first Meltzer rated this a five and a half star out of five. He said Cole and Gargano, this one, was better than the other one. I don't know about that because Gargano winning to me is a bigger deal than Cole winning. Because he did have help, but whatever. But um, down like like it just kills me because from a wrestling fan, you always want to know what ha- what's happening with all the wrestlers. But I just don't know what they're doing with Gargano now. He had the NXT title. He had his moment. Now he lost it like literally a month later. What are you doing with Gargano now? Making him the face of 205 Live. <laughs> because I feel like they're going to make Roderick 
the closest thing to Gargano moving forward, building him to face Cole. Like a type of run like that? Like a, yeah. a hot baby face run? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, like the match would be great and the story would be great, but I, I'm on the other side of that. I just want them to come up as a faction and then take over together. Yeah, That's why I think for me the better option is having Adam Cole go right in right away with either Velveteen or Matt Riddle right away. Like you could have Matt Riddle face Adam Cole for the belt. I think it will be Matt Riddle because, uh, you know, he, he beat strong. Yeah. And uh, he's going to say, like, I'm just my goal is to take out the whole Undisputed Era. And he's been teased for the last few months. He's had this yeah, he has. meteoric rise, but, like, it kind of came out of nowhere. It started with Chris Hero. It's it's built up. Slowly built up. And, you know, he had the North American title shot, which beat the fucking shit out of Dream. And then he just rolled him up at the end there. So I, I think he's the guy. I think it'll be Cole and... Uh, riddle in a couple months in toronto that'd be awesome well we're gonna end on that note um guys make sure to watch next week's episode we'll talk about more what 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 game will it be by next week for the rap series tuesday i think six okay so we will see guys uh maybe we'll be talking about game three four next week talk about a potential stanley cup winner and uh, more wrestling next week stay tuned boys